Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and their crises, or crisis, crises. And part of the Nightman Podcast Network, I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. It is crises, Rob, isn't it? It'll, it will get added to... Uh, I think most United fans are thinking it might get added to on Sunday. Yes, yeah. United go to Anfield. I think it's a. I think it's a compound, Scott. I think it's a crisis management with Manchester United, isn't it? It's like multiple uh, levels of of crisis in, in one big bubble. So here we are, about to go to Anfield. That in itself is a crisis. Yeah, I'm aware crisis is is not proper English. I was just uh, playing it's around fine. with words there. Uh, crises out of the Champions League in. Out of Europe entirely. Yeah. After finishing fourth in a group which consisted of Galatasaray and FC Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. I was there for the buying game the other night and it was eerie. It, it was mm. quite it was it was very, very downtrodden. Uh the energy in the ground was not great. I think a lot of uh match going fans are now thinking we're oh, we're back here again. 18 months, two years down the line. We had a little bit of a flash in the pan, bit of success last season, but oh, we just can't avoid this uh, this spot where we just seem to be perennially finding ourselves. Yeah. And now Graham Potter's going to come fix it all, is he? We'll talk about that today. Uh, we'll talk about the buying game a little bit. We'll look ahead to the Liverpool game and we will talk a bit about Graham Potter and what, how much there is to it, if it makes any sense. We'll talk about Eric Ten Hag as well, obviously, because uh, he's making some decisions and he's getting some results, which mean that it's inevitable that you have to, he has to, he has to get some criticism for it. Mm-hmm. So we will do that. Um, but subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube as well. The Promised Land and Man United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment, and hit the notification bell so you never miss a show. And follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B. And that TPLMUFC uh, on X as well for the podcast. Rob, you're taking you're taking a Christmas break, are you? Off socials, yeah, yeah. I've decided just because socials uh, is is bad enough on a normal day, isn't it? Through the season, and <clears throat> it's just nice to not have to look at it, isn't it? That's how I feel quite often about Twitter, and I think with Christmas as well, you kind of just reprioritize a little bit, get through the Christmas campaign into January, and it'll be like that, Scott. We'll be straight back doing everything we normally do anyway, won't we? So it's normally as busy uh, through the Christmas period. So yeah, it's just to just to relieve some of that kind of social toxicity that we all have to kind of be a part of sometimes. 
you will of course find after every single result or every single performance sack the manager get rid yes. of him it yes. is uh it's quite draining yeah. <laughs> it is quite draining yeah um and then graham potter is the name that comes up and we go oh we don't want graham potter no not not that one not we you're not talking about you and me specifically <laughs> no no i'm doing a i'm doing a, a group uh summary of how uh how that that news was was uh received rob rob and i like from our own separate places of known about this graham potter thing mm. for a few weeks yes. um we'll talk about it later in the show Let, let's let's do do you want to look ahead to liverpool do you want to touch on the buying game at all because i i will say this i, I mean maybe on buying to start with they were played off the park they really were but you look at that team that was on the pitch <laughs> and you think they have no right to beat Bayern, really that that team is ravaged by injuries and it's poor. There's no creativity there. Um, I don't know what people would be expecting, really. I mean, I, I looked at the team that was actually named and the team that finished the game, especially. And I looked at the bench all the way through. I mean, that bench had nothing. It really, it, no options at all. So, you know, United stayed it, stayed in it for a little while. I think Bayern were always on top and eventually they scored and it was just a matter of time, really. Uh, which means that United are out of Europe. Um, but that game, how did you take it, Rob? Um, like you just talked there about being at the stadium, it being very flat. And that kind of reminded me of the Bournemouth game in the sense that it just took all the oxygen out the stadium and people just didn't know whether to laugh or cry. You're just in that kind of, again, that 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 hamster wheel, aren't you, of like running around doing the same Manchester United things. Um, I, I saw some United fans kind of say, oh, wasn't it like like glorious defeat for Newcastle but awful defeat for Man United. Well, guess what? They both came bottom of their groups, so it doesn't really matter. Like, there's no such thing as glorious defeat. I do think, Scott, that at least you didn't get hammered by Bayern Munich, and I said that on our last show, and I think that is important for the stability at the football club behind the scenes. I'm talking about part owners coming in, Eric Ten Hag's own position, et cetera, et cetera, and we'll discuss some more of that a bit later on. But I think you've got to... You know, like you just said there, you look at the squad, there's 13 injuries in the squad. And in that game, Harry Maguire went off, didn't he? And Luke Shaw went off. So what are you kind of expecting? Like, probably 1-0 was as good as it could have been. So yeah. you're not expect like, miracles do happen in football. And football proves us wrong constantly when we make calls about things. But Scott, come on, it's like, I guess the full strength Bayern that haven't been beaten in the group stages since like 2017. You know, what are you expecting? Against the striker that we did multiple shows on and said that Man United need this guy, 100 million, just do it. Just pull didn't even trigger. play very well and he got the assist. He didn't <laughs> yeah. have to play well and he got a really nice assist as well. But I think it just shows you that if you want to play join the dots football, you've got to players that can actually do it. Man United just don't have that, do they? So I think that, you know... That, well, let, me ask, what, let me ask you that, actually. You just brought yeah. up Newcastle. United are a point above Newcastle in the mm -hmm. league. United finished above Newcastle last season. I yep. know that like Newcastle, their their team is playing well above, well above their station. Yeah. Um, beat them in a cup final. Beat them in a in a cup final. I know they've beaten United a couple of times this season. Mm. Um, but there's one there's pressure on one manager, and not a lot of pressure on the other manager. And you've had mm. kind of the same elevation to a point versus the same you know 
fall down to the same. You know, they were they were third and fourth last season. They're sixth and seventh currently, and one manager, the manager's ahead, is getting. He's got to get sacked. He's yeah. got to be sacked. I, I know. I understand. Look at the performances. This kind of thing, and you you understand it completely. But you know, um, I just wanted to dig into that a little bit more. Well, you know, at Manchester United, we we all know that if a manager picks his nose on camera, then people will be saying for him to be sacked because that's just Manchester United. And I think with Newcastle, with all of the years of of drain, you know, no success at all for 50, 60 years, is that they're in a slightly different position. So there is that. Um, but I concur, I concur with you, Scott, because I think when you look at it, you've got one set of owners that are worth 500 billion, yeah, on the black and white half in the northeast. And then you've got the Glazers up until this point who have never put one single pound, English pound or one US dollar into Manchester United to buy players. So there's a difference there, isn't there? So that's how I look at it is that this is why I've again talked about the Radcliffe thing and the Ineos thing, maybe a bit more brighter than maybe other pundits or football people, because I just think that that gives you an opportunity to do something else. And we're obviously waiting to hear more news on that. Eddie Howe won't be at risk, Scott, until you get to maybe the end of the season. And if he doesn't hit his mark or whatever his mark might be, there will be sympathy for him. But I do think this, it's a bit like Man City in the early days, is that I think they'll just get somewhere. They might even come fourth, Scott, and sack him. No, go, I, I know, yeah. I, yeah. I thought oh, we've got this guy now. This guy's really good. So, you know, we've just gone and got this guy from Europe. He, he's the guy. Oh, we've got a South American coach. Oh, we've got this player. You've got this manager. Oh, we're doing this now. And there'll be a lot of that in Newcastle in the next few weeks and months. It's just that's the way it will go. At United, I do think it's slightly different set of what Eric Ten Hag's trying to deal with. He's trying to deal with everything upstairs and everything downstairs, which which is the players. So, yeah, Newcastle are going to get off lightly. They've had good performance this year. Funnily enough, though, they're at the Champions League as well. So they've failed there. So I, I think, what was it? Were they one nil up? In that game, yeah, yeah, get yeah. AC Milan one one nil up with what fifteen minutes to go. I'd say that's a pretty big failure on them, you know. But they've they had one game in their well. group, like United. You know, they had a lot harder group. Look, I'm I'm not yeah. trying to say that. Uh, no, we're not trying to pause. We're not, not trying to play. Not trying to pull pull Newcastle down. We're just looking at the uh, the difference in the expectation levels. I suppose yeah. when Eddie Howe is literally a head coach and his only job is to coach, totally. and you have a manager who is dealing with whatever's happening <laughs> upstairs dealing with off-field problems mm-hmm. and i'm getting a, a thumbs up there <laughs> I, I don't know what happened yeah. there yeah uh sorry we're recording on Streamyard. i just saw a thumbs up emoji come up on the screen as i put my thumb up uh but yeah uh you know it, that's the measurements that that's that's hmm. how united are expected to be and Newcastle are the plucky underdogs, even though they're... Eric Ten Hag's a manager of the month, state. people. Eric Ten Hag is the reigning manager of the month. So we know that that in itself is... We know the problems at Manchester United. But I just quite often think, you know, when he got that manager of the month award, he doesn't get any applauds with it as well because it's Manchester United. Whereas if you're at any other football club, you would probably get a, at least a pat on the back. So, uh, yeah, look, 13 injuries is the story here with Eric Ten Hag, and that's something he's having to manage in uh, real time. Also, that that as well, Rob, talking about Newcastle. Everyone talks about Newcastle's injuries. <laughs> uh, United's injury list is just as long. Uh, but anyway, like yeah. we, we, we're we not saying here at all, so please, if you've listened to that and think you're thinking, oh, you're defending <laughs> Ten Hag. What are you doing? I mean... No, he deserves criticism. He's he's been getting a lot of things wrong, uh, yeah. and when you lose in the manner that United have been losing recently, 
it's on you, you know. And I, I think the decision of in the buying game, seeing Maguire go off injured, mm. and then having Johnny Evans and Rafa Varane playing together with Varane on the left side <laughs> after he spent weeks saying, "I'm not picking Varane because uh, I don't think he's a he's a good left sided centre back. I, I see him as a right sided centre back." You could have swapped them over. But people are going to look at that. Like, I know I did anyway. I thought it was quite funny. Like, looking at it and thinking, you didn't need to do that. I mean, you, <laughs> you're not helping yourself here, you know? Didn't reflect well on the manager because I think that that option with Ryan has been there for a while and he could have tweaked the defence to make these players fit in to do something slightly different, even if he was not happy with, you know, the distribution from the left channel to the left centre-back. So you go, I don't want to do that. There's been plenty of games, Scott, where I think he could have he could have adjusted his own tactics. So I think that's more down to Ten Hag being stubborn himself rather than playing players that are better than the ones you're picking. And that that's part of the story, I think, of the last few weeks is when you've had all these injuries, you, you're going to have to run with some of these players. And he just didn't. He just went a different route. You lost some of those games. You won some of them. You won manager of the month. You know, well done there. But now you've lost Harry Maguire. You know, how long are you losing Maguire for? He's been, without a doubt for me, the outstanding Manchester United player anywhere on the pitch. And you've just lost the guy that's really been leading the team on his own in many, many ways. Um, He pulled up right in in front of me. Yeah. And you could see it straight away. I don't don't know how how the TV picked it up. His face was just like, yeah, he was was done. I'm done. That's weeks. That is, that's weeks. Yeah. And um, and it's the kind of injury that when you when you have overplayed because you've had to overplay, that is the injury you get. So that's the one where something just blows up, and you then gamble in Scott. That is it, two to four weeks, or is it six to eight weeks? And you know, hopefully for Manchester United, it isn't the latter. But this might now force United's hand in January going into the window because if say Maguire does need some long long term rehabilitation, and you plan to sell him at the end of the season then you might go and be a little bit more aggressive in the transfer market, even if you haven't got the cash sat in your pocket right now. We'll talk about what could happen in January in a little bit. Do you want to do the, when do you want to do the Potter chat? Do you want to do it before we talk about Liverpool or do you want to do it after? Let's do Liverpool first. So, okay. Liverpool. (laughs) Um, United were had a good season last season and lost this game seven nil. Uh, so you know they they're not in a good spot. They've already lost is it twelve or thirteen games this season? So 12. 12, 12 games out of twenty four. Oh, was Bayern Munich thirteen? <laughs> yeah, so that they it's not good. Uh, it's not good no. at all. But I think what we saw the other night against Bayern was probably more akin to what Ten Hag will do at Liverpool, in the sense of we. I think I said on a show recently, didn't I? I think it might have been last week, actually. Just be more pragmatic, please, because you're getting absolutely picked apart by Bournemouth and by... Let's let's, let's be real, Chelsea could have as well if they'd known, yeah. had a clue what they were doing. <clears throat> um, but Liverpool, if you play that way against Liverpool, they will absolutely destroy you. And I think he's probably looking at that and thinking I can't play in that way here because it's just not going that well. But obviously I I did a a piece for um, a Liverpool website that my mate works for uh, earlier this week. And he said, one of the questions was, is there any reason to be oddly optimistic for this game? 
and I said, Bruno Fernandes is suspended. It might help. <laughs> uh, now, we've talked about uh, how Bruno and Tomine in the same midfield is a problem. Rob, Rob is putting his uh, his finger to his to his lips. Glad I didn't say that. Yeah. But, well, that, that's on the internet. I've said it, and now I'm saying it again, so it's also on the internet. Yeah. Double down. What I'm saying, you might lose a bit of attacking threat, but you might be able to get a bit more of a foothold in the game. I don't know how it's gonna how it's gonna play out, but you look at the options available, and like I, I asked Rob this before we started recording, who who actually plays in midfield? Because this Amrabat that you'd think would definitely start, McTominay is a dead cert to start, and then you've got mm. Kobe or Hannibal. Is that mm. it? Unless you do something weird. Unless Mason Mount uh, materializes, but we know he's not, so <laughs> you know he's injured. Um <clears throat> Your your options are limited, Scott. But I do think that that again, you, the big thing here is not just that Bruno is out, but it's the Maguire element. So Maguire's been ball carrying out the back and doing it relatively successfully. I think you're going to have to plug that gap somehow. So that will probably be Amrabat, you know, playing that that role. And then you might finally switch to that four two three one that I've been crying out to see now for a number of weeks. Because Liverpool are going to hurt you. You know, uh, we, we talked about McTominay, didn't he? Is it smelling or sniffing a goal? Was it the words he smell, used? Yeah, he used He can smell a goal, smell a goal. Well, I'm telling you what, Liverpool can smell something nasty here. After, after a 7-0 last year, where Manchester United for 40 minutes were pretty good. And this is a much weaker Manchester United. People forget that as well, the, the pretty good thing. Yeah. You know? They were actually, and they could have scored. <laughs> yeah, look, conceding seven is is a humiliation that you never want to experience. But to experience it at Anfield is a different level, isn't it? So this is why, again, I said make sure you don't get smashed against Bayern Munich. And you know what? Tick that box. That's all right. One nil. I think really Bayern Munich expected to win that game. They are better than you. They've won the group, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Liverpool top of the league at the moment. Is that right? As we as we talk today, so you go to Anfield. Don't get smashed. Tick that box. Of course, you want to win it, but that would be a kind of miracle. So, like, if you want to go there and do something extraordinary, of course, it can happen in football. But I don't think anyone should have any kind of expectations about this game, Scott, from Man United side. You know, you've got 13 players out. You've just lost your best player in Harry Maguire, which, again, sounds weird when I say it out loud. But it's true. You've just lost your player that's been doing the best work in the last few weeks. Your captain is also out because he got he, he got himself booked. I can't say that either. Can I have people jumping on me for that as well the other day saying, don't you dare say that, Bruno, that's controversial. But yeah, Bruno's not in the team. So you have to find other things. That's just the bottom dollar. And Varane and Evans as your centre-backs, is, is Lindelof available? Lind- Lindelof, we haven't heard yet. I don't know whether yeah. um, there might be some... I, I don't think his, his injury was long term. I think he was he was on the fringes for the yeah. for the game the other day, but he missed it. You've also got Luke Shaw, who's, conf- who's likely going to be fit, who yeah. could play left centre back, yeah. and you could put Dallow out there potentially. You know, yeah, that that's the news, obviously, off the back of the press conference. We're 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 uh, recording this now just off the back of Eric Ten Hag's presser, and and the news there is that Luke Shaw will be fit or is expected to be fit. I think you have to think the long game here, Scott. Like I'm looking at this game. If Luke Shaw has got a niggle, I'm not risking him in this game because you, you, you're probably going to lose anyway. <laughs> like you know, that's you know, you need Luke Shaw 
from Christmas and beyond. We need Luke Shaw to be available in those latter games in the, in the second half of the season. Now, I know that football fans, again, will just go, no, if he's fit, play him. But I think that's the bigger decision here for the manager, sometimes maybe of, of biting your lip and saying, I have to protect that player. He hasn't been protecting Varane, but Varane hasn't been playing because he supposedly gets injured and can't play left side. Well, watch him play left side against Liverpool. <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't get injured. But I think you have to look at the other players, and I think Luke Shaw's one of them. Even Marcus Rashford, to an extent, you know, Rashford's been out of form. Do you just suddenly throw him back into the team? Well, I will not, will not be surprised if Marcus does start the game. Um, so I think Eric Tenog's got lots of things to kind of decide and maybe decide how important this game is. Like, is it more important to just maybe shut the door and park the bus? For me, yes. That's what I would do, is trying to, Kill Liverpool's game if you can. But don't go there, play 4 1 4 1 and expect that you're not going to get punched in the mouth. If you play 4 1 4 1 against Liverpool, counter press, they will counter press you better and Salah will get a hat trick. And that's it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Be... yeah. That's the game in a nutshell. He's, he's so... my captain for FPL, unfortunately. <laughs> he's mine as well. Yeah. Uh, but but that but that's the way it goes, isn't it? And, and I think the thing is, is you, you do have to think about the opponent. And I think a lot of the games this season, there's been a lack of that. So even Bournemouth, I think United went, went out in that game to go and play Little Bournemouth. But Little Bournemouth are better than Big Chelsea. You were there the few days before. United didn't really look at that at all. And then you go get smashed. So I, I think you look at those things again. Anfield, go there, mitigate, try not to get too badly hurt. And do you know what? You might nick something. You might nick a draw. They, they you do might... have enough. Like, I, know, I know the forwards aren't really scoring at the moment, but they, there is more than enough there to be able to create. Scott uh, McTominay masterclass. Like I, I, I don't know, Scott. I don't know. I've got a question for you. Is it time that we do see Scott McTominay play a little bit of number nine? Like it, it, uh, if he doesn't, if he's not completely sold on, ha- on Hoyland for any reason, because we we sense that I think, don't we? Is that he's trying not to overplay him, limiting his minutes, starting games and not starting games. The guy who seems to know where the ball goes to the back of the net is, is Scott McTominay, who was a striker when he was an eight-year-old. It was a long time ago. But he can do that role when he's shown that he can score goals and play in the box. Kind of happier with him up the other end, Scott, rather than back here helping Kobe Manu out, who's a kid, or someone like Amrabat, who maybe can't run, maybe doesn't have the same engine. I don't know. What do you think? Would you play him up top? Um, I, I saw Hyland the other night. And he mm-hmm. was absolutely bossed. He, he really was by yeah. two centre-backs who were gigantic and fast. Two world-class centre-backs. Yeah, two very good centre-backs. And it looked <laughs> like it was, a, it, was a, it was a harsh lesson for him. And he'd be coming up against Virgil van Dijk this weekend. Yeah. You know, not, not ideal hmm. for him. But to me, I think what... I, I would still play Hyland, I think, because he can offer that threat in behind yeah. i think what you'll see mctominay get is the the opportunity to smell uh or sniff as the 10 sniff chances as the as the second supporting striker or yeah. as a 10 so maybe somebody who can drop back in you won't get any build-up through him I, I think the build-up will go down the flanks most probably or over the top over the top from anana i think more like. yeah yeah <laughs> that's, that's probably where it'll doing. go but yeah. if you can get if you can get ball in liverpool's third and McTominay sniffing around, then maybe that's your best chance of scoring. It's a it's a it's a grim it's a grim conversation to have. This is what we're resorting to. Uh, not going to be able to outplay Liverpool on their own patch. I think they're they're top of the league. I don't even think Liverpool are playing that well, but they're winning. They're winning. They are they are um they're not completely 
perfect. They are no Fulham scored three at Anfield the other week. So, you know, it's it's possible, but they have to have a plan. They do. The blue sky thinking on all of this, Scott, is that Liverpool are not actually great defensively. They're not. The, the, the record's fine. And again, when you go deeper into the metrics, you see that Allison before the injury was at the very top of making saves, which tells you that Liverpool have hemorrhaged lots of chances, a bit like Manchester United. The difference is, is that United have not been able to score goals at the other end and balance it up. Whereas for Liverpool, their midfield has been so much better this season, even though it's not been spectacular. And the forward line has just done what the forward line does. So Salah just scores goals all the time. You know that um, the kind of ratio of chances when he's on the pitch with Darwin Nunes is really, really good. You've got Gakpo there. Jota's out, obviously, in and out, has been injured one thing or another. But they've got the balance there, and that's why they're top of the league. But I do think they'll lose games as, as the weeks go on because that defence is still not fantastic. And this might be a kind of straight line running defence that you can out, out pitch on the counter-attack. So like, if you have got Hoyland, who's quick, and Rashford, who's quick, and Garnacho who's quick, and Anthony, who's quick, you might well find that those one-on-ones with, with people like Virgil van Dijk actually give you some joy. So that's the blue sky thinking, Scott. And I think Liverpool will lose games in the next few weeks. I'm sure they will, because that defence is not as tight as maybe the numbers are telling us. Uh, nobody thinks that they will lose this one, though. Uh, just, just add no that. No one in. thinks it. Hey, if if you do, I mean, if you're optimistic by any chance, please get in touch. Uh, leave leave a comment on the video uh, underneath on YouTube. Get in touch with us on the social media channels. Although Rob won't read it because he doesn't use uh, doesn't use Twitter over Christmas. Uh, I'm going to cough, Rob. Please take over. <laughs> I think I think United have got every chance of winning, Scott. If you say compare it to say. Bournemouth coming to United and scoring three or four. So, like, you know, you look at these things that you don't expect. I think that if you go to Anfield and you really put a shift in and you do, you know, part the bus and you you have tactics that nullify some of the things that Liverpool are good at, you've done quite well against Salah in recent years. Like, Salah did hammer you last year. But they have found ways, and when Salah's been at the top of his game, to really push him out wide and keep him out there. Now, I don't fancy Delo against him. I don't fancy... Um, Regulon against him. But Luke Shaw's over there. You might be able to at least keep him further away from the goal. But then again, Luke Shaw's not 100% fit. I'm I'm talking all blue sky here, Scott. I really am. You've got a chance to counter punch. And that's the whole thing with football is that you only need one goal. And if you get one goal, you might get a draw. You might get a victory. And let's just say Liverpool have a bad day at the office. They do one. You know, so they've done really well this season to be top. I don't think anyone could have predicted that on day one of the season. But Klopp's got lots of things right in the last few weeks, but they're, they're not perfect. They're nowhere near perfect. If Man United are flawed, then Liverpool have still got a few fallacies there in their team. Yeah, let us know if you think United have a chance uh, in the comments, uh, as I was saying before I started, before I needed to mute myself. Uh, anyway, Premier League. There's two matches after this, by the way, over Christmas, which is West Ham away and Aston Villa at home, which conceivably, if United, they could lose four in a row. Like, it's it's not impossible. It's not it's not impossible. You've seen it happen before. Aston Villa are good. United always seem to lose at West Ham as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Eric Ten Hag has got a big job to do. Will he still be the manager after that run, Scott? I think that's well. That's where I was getting to. Let's talk about Graham Potter. <laughs> now, the question has been this week. We'll come to Graham Potter in a bit. The question has been this week. 
Ten Hag's out of the Champions League. Ten Hag lost to Bournemouth. If Ten Hag goes to Liverpool and gets smashed, are they going to sack him? Uh, I don't. I I don't know about you, Rob. I don't think so. I I mean, just looking at the the state of the ownership at the moment, the fact that we haven't got an announcement. I know that there's like things that are happening in in behind the scenes and this kind of thing, but there's no confirmation. Even after the announcement comes, it's going to take four to six, eight, eight weeks or whatever for everything to become the owners and directors test to be kind of done and all sorted. So I think he might get a reprieve. I think he might get a reprieve a little bit because of the situation of the club. Uh, but we have seen Jose Mourinho go into this match and get sacked off the back of it. Um, and other managers as well. You know, this this could be the death knell for some. Uh, but, you know, Ten Hag, I just mentioned the other fixtures there. At any normal point, you know, I think this would be near curtains for a manager. But do, you, do how much do you think the fact that United have an interim CEO and a, a between owners? I think this is this is more of a problem. I think the Glazers will want to push on to the next guy. So I, I don't know. What do the you Glazers think? won't be making any decisions about this. The gla- the day of the Glazers choosing managers, fingers crossed, is nearly over. I think the Glazers totally admit, Scott that they've got a lot wrong in the football side of it and they would now rather someone else took that responsibility off them while they still took profits. That's kind of where you are. So the Glazers are now going, oh, hang on a second. We've taken a lot of flack in 10 years. Our reputation has been damaged by Manchester United in many ways, but we have made a lot of money there. So we're okay with that. But now we don't need to put our reputation line. What we'll say is, well, that guy who now owns 25% of the club, He's the one who chooses the managers. And if it goes wrong every time, we can just be part of the board that sacks them. That's what it will be. So I think this is kind of where you are today with it. And I think the big, big change, of course, is that because your your reigning chief exec has now gone, you know, and that's that's history already, is that the people who are not at the club supposedly are already kind of making those choices. So interim CEO or not, he's not making any choices. He's going to be there buying the biscuits and making the tea in the weeks ahead. He's not going to be making any choices for Man United. This is going to be a completely new thing. So not a revolution, Scott. But I do think that when they look at these, that this set of fixtures over Christmas will dictate a lot of the the, the state of play. Liverpool is a dangerous fixture because if you lose 7-0 again, or 5-0 or 4-0, or it's horrible, horrific, probably the end. Yeah, you don't survive it. But say you say you win against Liverpool, 1-0, right? This is all hypothetical, of course. And then you go through that Absolutely little... Absolutely not going to happen. But go well, say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Nobody thought that we would beat Bayern Munich when we were one 0 down in the Champions League final in nineteen ninety nine. Scott, I remember saying that's it. That's it's over. We scored twice. Well, yeah, that's no, my character. Different world, of course. Different Manchester United. But you know, f- football's just odd. Football just does odd things to us, doesn't it? You know, it's the way it goes. But I think when you look at this, is that say you do survive these games and you go through it. For me, the killer game is the last game of the calendar year. That's Nottingham Forest. The reason why I say this 
is because Nottingham Forest themselves are kind of going through a bit of a transition. Have they sacked their manager yet? That's not happened yet, has it? He's not gone yet, has he? He's on his way. They they will sack him. He's on his way. But he's in a little bit of survival mode, you know. And I think that if you lose to Forest and it's not pretty, I think that's it. I think you get to the end of that Christmas period into the new year. And Jim Ratcliffe might rightfully say, you've been here 18 months. You've spent a lot of money. I'm now here. I'm ready to put up a few hundred million to get going. I'm not quite sure whether I want to give it to you. Rob, do you know that Man United have two fixtures in January? Uh, yeah, I know. I was looking at it the other day. They have Wigan, Wigan I'm not away. Old Trafford till then, till January. They have Wigan away in the FA Cup on the 8th mm-hmm. and Tottenham on the 14th. Yeah. And there's that. that so the, the, the last game of the season is New Year's Eve. Is that right? In, in that year? On, no, New Year's the Eve. last game of the year is the 30th of December. 30th of December. And then the next game is the FA Cup, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Which is what, eight days later? So that nine, eight, maybe, maybe so nine. that eight nine day period, you might get your pre end of year announcement on the thirty first or the thirtieth or something like that, where or the first of January, and Man United win the news because they love to do it, yeah. And you might find that the manager then goes in that period. But if he's had a good run up to then, Scott, it won't be surprising for them all to have a big cuddle and say, Ten Hag's got to the end of the season. We're all good. We're happy with this. We're just going to kind of go from there. United need to spend money in this transfer window, Scott, which is not something we normally say. We don't normally say that. Now, the feedback has been that United won't spend any money. And I think it's a lie. I'll just put it out there. I think United, if they get the right deal, they'll find players to bring in because they're, they're in a bit of a pickle, aren't they? So... It's, da- it's dangerous. I think Nottingham Forest for me is that game where if it goes really badly wrong, it reminds me all those years ago with Fergie. You know, he went to Nottingham Forest. This kind of parallels are weird. And he went there in the cup. And everyone, there was banners in the United End saying Fergie out, Fergie out, you know. And he won that game 1-0, Mark Robbins, and survived. And that happens in football all the time. So I think Eric Ten Hag is, is kind of walking the plank with, with Ineos because it's really easy for Ineos to come in, isn't it? And just make that, that splash and say, yeah, we've got a new guy. And his name is Graham Potter. Lovely segue. Uh, <laughs> Dumbfounded right, so Scott there. <laughs> yeah, Graham Potter is, uh, is in the news. Now, as far as I know, and I'm sure you probably know, hmm. you've probably heard the same similar things. Graham Potter has been liked quite a lot by that camp, by Ineos. Yes, they tried to get him to Nice. Yes, a few a few months ago, they they did try. Um, it was not something he went for, <clears throat> but you know, he's been at Chelsea, and we'll talk about the Chelsea thing in a, in a minute as well. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been at Chelsea. You think he probably thinks that he wants a, a Premier League job? But I don't. I don't think you can get away from the fact that Ineos, Sir Jim like him i I, th- I think there might be at the risk of sounding i know pe- people don't like this but i think they they would quite like to be british about it you mm-hmm. know and that's I, I don't think you're getting away from that really if nope. you if you're looking at ten hagen thinking nah get zidane i don't think that's going to happen like honestly if, if you if your shout is get rid of ten hag zidane's out there conte's out there go get one of them i don't think they're going to go that route yet anyway Definitely, I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to go that route anyway. So, Qatar would have, Qatar yes, would have gone and got yeah. Sudan. Yeah, doesn't always sound great, by the way. I'm, I'm, not, I'm <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't think Sudan 
even come, comes in here and it works for him. I, I, no. I don't think that's the case. I think you need somebody who is like a more of a project manager. And I don't, I don't hate the Graham Potter shot. I really don't. But I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, what's the point? <laughs> because you're you're doing a rebuild currently. Or you're meant to be doing a rebuild, right? With the guy that they've employed, uh, Richard Arnold and John Murta, got mm-hmm. their hands on Ten Hag, right? Ten Hag's been trying to change the culture. I'm doing those little quote marks on my fingers if you're listening on an audio platform. Trying to change the culture has been stopped in his tracks quite a lot mm-hmm. uh, because United can't sell. They can't sell players at all. So he's he's having to deal with players that he tried to sell in the summer coming in and just being some of his best players. <laughs> McTominay, uh, Harry Maguire. I'm not saying they're, they're bad for the culture or anything like that, but that, that's just how it's how it's gone. You've got the Jaden Sancho situation, which happened a day after the transfer window closed. So you're you're stuck with that for the last few months as well. Mm. You've got other issues going on. Um, but if it was me, Rob, I'd give him the end of the season. I, I would regardless, personally. I don't, I don't know how you think. But just, just because you need to... How, how, like, how can you say... And I know that there's stuff going on in the background, this kind of thing. Until they're in those doors at Carrington or at Old Trafford every day, how can you know the extent of the problems that you have, right? Mm. So what what my thing is, is you can't. why make that managerial change straight away and put more pressure on yourself as an owner? To say, oh no, this guy can come in and fix it when you don't even know what the problems are. I'm sure you probably have some idea, but you haven't had enough time to experience it. So that that's kind of how I how I think about it. And then the Chelsea thing, separate to that, Graham Potter's tried to come into a, a structure at Chelsea which was flawed and mm-hmm. got nothing out of them. Yeah, Graham. One of Graham Potter's biggest criticisms was that he was too soft. He couldn't manage the egos in that dressing room. It's worse here, miles worse. <laughs> and then. On top of that, he's a manager criticised because he can't get his teams to score. He left Brighton massive on XG. Roberto Gazzurri mm. took over. They're scoring a hell of a lot more goals. Mm. You go to Chelsea, massive XG, but they just evaporated into nothing and he got sacked. Mm. And one of United's biggest flaws is that they can't score. So you're telling me the Graham Potter's going to come in and magically get every all of these players scoring when he's got no previous record of making that happen in the Premier League elsewhere. So this is this is what I'm looking at. I will caveat that with saying, I think Graham Potter's a good coach and he got a raw deal at Chelsea. I will say that. Um, but for me, I just don't think it makes much sense at the moment. Well, let's chat about the bits that we do know. So we do know that Graham Potter has had talks with Ineos, as you did, you mentioned the, the niece side of it going back over time. So this is not a completely new relationship. What else do we know? We do know that Ineos, I just use Ineos as a broad umbrella. Obviously, it's about Radcliffe and it's about Brailsford and every, everyone else uh, around the setup. That that they're not adverse to Eric Ten Hag. They liked him last year when they were obviously going through the bidding process. It wasn't a, a big deal for them. It wasn't like we're going to come in, install a new manager. There's no doubt. I think maybe Qatar would have gone that route. Qatar would have come in brought something flashy with them like a Zidane and you go down that route of a kind of a more of a bigger glamorous uh, kind of uh, Galactico style project you go that way I think what we will see and this is again something we hear from Ineos is that they do see Manchester United as kind of can we make this a British project now I know there's a lot of United fans that will hate that 
including British fans. It won't be just it won't be just kind of foreign fans that think that. But this is kind of their first standing is that they're looking at what what is wrong with the culture of the football club. It was highlighted in the last year or two that United themselves have been trying to move back towards something Fergie-esque where you were the British powerhouse and everyone else was good around you, but you just were, you just didn't have to say anything. You just won things. That's what you did. Kept your gob shut and beat teams every week. Now, United would like to go back to that. And I think that Sir Jim Ratcliffe looks at that and would love to, love a bit of it. I don't think, Scott, unless, as I said, results crash in the next few weeks, that they will be willing to just kind of, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. So I think when you look at Eric Tenag, I'm with you. I would give him to the end of the season. That's what makes sense. Let's get some players back. Let's get some fitness back in his players. And you just have to take it on the chin that you've not been very good. Losing 13 games is nothing to be proud of at this point. But you're going to keep losing games. Like, come on, people, get real. You're not suddenly going to be great. We talk about Graham Potter individually. I spoke a lot about him when we were in that transition between Ole leaving the football club. And my choice at the time was that you go and get someone like Conte, would have been instant access to maybe better results, because that's where United were. Or you go the other way and you go get yourself over a Ten Hag, which is what United did, or Graham Potter. So Graham Potter for me sits in that standard of coaches. Is that someone that you're going to have to give time to build? You just mentioned the XG there, Scott. Yeah, he's not going to come in and United are not suddenly going to start scoring goals. Like he's not going to come in and Hoyland's going to suddenly be a score 30 goals in 30 games. It's not going to happen, people. Don't even think like that. But I also think that he would be a better choice than a Zidane. So someone like Zidane who might gleam the cube a little bit and make things look a little bit more exciting for a little bit. I don't think he fixes anything, but you're going to have to go with a coach like Potter if you decide to get rid of an Eric Ten Hag. That's just the way it goes. There's not a lot of other coaches out there, Scott, where I'm thinking, that's your guy. Go get that guy fixed. That's where you're going. And that's why someone like Potter and his name is on the table because they know Potter already in Ineos and they like him. And and you're right. Chelsea gave him a bad rap. They blamed him at the end of it. And when he got sacked to Chelsea, Scott, we all went with Chelsea's fault. It's not, not Graham Potter's fault, is it? As Mauricio Pochettino was finding out. And that's that. Like, and you know what, well, Frank Lampard it was his fault in the middle. You know, like in the sandwich. So, like, y- you can blame coaches too. What about Frank face. Lampard? Do you want? Do you want him? <laughs> Let's go get Frank. Do you, do you know what I was worried about, Scott? Not so long ago, was that we might have gone down the Wayne Rooney route. We might have done. You know, not that long ago, United might have gone and done something like that to shut the fans up because that's what they did with Ole. And so he'd won ten games. Then it would be the savior has returned. Oh look, and we're going to give him a we're going to give him a year or another another contract or something like that, something crazy. And you're seeing his level at the moment, aren't you, in the championship? So that was the problem with Ole, I think, as well, long term. You need to get this next appointment right, but I think you also have to understand that it might be more pain before you get any gain. Like it really, like this season's not. I wouldn't call a right. Regardless of who it is, Rob. Like regardless of who it is, whether that's Ten Hag or whether that's another manager, you're getting pain and you have to fix it, regardless. And you have to take it on the chin, and you're going to have to accept that these players are both misperforming and are not fit. And that combination is absolutely catastrophic for any of your ambitions this season. It happened to Liverpool two or three times, Scott, in the last two or three years, where they had multiple injuries and they couldn't perform at the standard 
which took them to a championship. Now, I know there's a difference between the squads there, but that is the problem for Man United is that the squad that came top four last year, won the League Cup, you know, did pretty well overall with a brand new manager. It really isn't the same squad. Like this is, these are, these are the same players, but they're not, it's not the same mixture. Like they're not doing the same things, are they? You've lost one or two of those players that really did well for you. Yeah, so let us know what you think about Graham Potter potentially rocking up at Old Trafford. And uh, I, hey, I'm not, I'm not saying it's never going to happen. By the way, I mean, I, if Tenag does go, I can see it happening. Come on, Scott, give me some names. Like so, like tomorrow, Tenag gets get. We get hammered against Liverpool seven 0 He gets sacked within three hours, and you're Ineos. Who do you go? Who do you go get? Because. I don't think they'll do what United have done before. I don't think they'll put interims in. I don't think they'll do that. They've already done their due diligence on coaches. They have choices in their head. Where would you go, Scott? Who would you go get? I really think Potter's right up there, unfortunately. Um, That's it, isn't but it? But the other ones, Kieran McKenna is the other one. Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough is not the mid-table uh, currently, yeah, not having the, as good a season as they were last season, but the, those two of those coaches, I think they're, they're the profiles that I think this lot mm. will look at. That that's what I think they will look at. I'm but, down with that. I'm down with know, that. But... I don't think you get into Dan. I don't think you get in Conte. I don't think you get in. Maybe Deserby. Maybe like I, I've I've openly said that Deserby before mm. under this structure does not work. Under yeah. a new structure, I'd be way more open to it. But, you know, it's uh, he might end up at Man City when Pep goes. We'll see. But Eric Ten Hag was meant to end up at Man City when Pep went before United got him. So it's funny how things change, isn't it? And it's funny how managers kind of become part of the malaise. Yeah. I don't think every manager that United have had over the last few years has been as bad as they have seemed at United. We thought Michael, or I'm not saying we, people thought Michael Carrick and Kieran McKenna were useless. Hmm. Two years ago, you know, yeah, they, anyway. they weren't they weren't the guys deciding to play a double pivot every week with McFred, but they were they were the coaches, of course. But uh, we all know as well when Pep Guardiola decides to hand in his notice at Manchester City that it'll be Mikel Arteta going there. Sorry, Arsenal fans, get used to it. <laughs> it's coming. Don't worry, you're going to be broken hearted. It's coming. It's coming. I so I can see Deserby. Well, um, I just think that City have the the political flex and money to do something like that. You deserve you'd be interesting, wouldn't it? But I think, again, this whole thing about choosing a Brighton manager to go and do a job like that, you see, is kind of the issue that we have with Potter, is that Potter did do Chelsea, but it's kind of been struck off his CV, hasn't it, almost? And that United fans, you just said there about McKenna, it would be a huge risk by Ineos that your first power play would oh, be yeah. to sack a guy that got to the semi-finals of the Champions League with, uh, with Ajax, and he was your choice because he's a club builder, and you went and then got the guy that that is at Ipswich and doing really well at Ipswich, and you're going from Ipswich to Man United. And if that doesn't work, it, the whole world will burn. Literally, pure, pure speculation on my part there, by the way. I'm not. There's no no intel in behind that, but that's just the way that I think they would go. I think, I, so. I think if if they're going to go somewhere, I think they go Potter personally. Um, but but yeah, uh, I don't think it's the right moment to do it. I'm still firmly in the camp of give the manager time. I, I didn't even realize that that January thing, the fact that there's two games in January, mm. think of how good that could be for A, getting players back, B, shifting players out, C, working on training, B, uh, uh, D, 
fitness, all of this kind of stuff, like that could actually be of real benefit. And as, so long as United don't lose their next three, which is quite conceivable, hmm. they can stay in touch with the top places. They ain't out of it. They're of course not. they're not. No, they're, they're, again, that we say the league table doesn't lie and all of this. Well, the league table does tell you you're not out of touch, even with that horrible defeat against Bournemouth. Now, you could very quickly be out of touch, but you're still kind of close to where you want to be. But I do think the injuries are the biggest problem now. Like you're, you're losing just even starters who've been starting in recent weeks, and then that's problematic, isn't it? So it, it's a wait and see, Scott. And I think with with Potter is that he is one of those guys that is highly rated by administrations, football administrations like Potter. I think if tomorrow you were to lose Gareth Southgate for England, yeah, guess who's getting the knock on the door oh, no, from England? I forgot about that one. Yeah, so you're you're getting so you're going to get Potter, and he would be kind of like the FA's long term strategy. I thought you were saying Southgate for for United. Well. <laughs> no, I, 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 no, basically no. <laughs> God, don't even go down that route. You're just starting a rumor there that we're now going to have to talk about next week. <laughs> but I, I do think when you look at it, I think with someone like Potter, is that he fits the Ineos style, the brand, and what Ineos want to do, and that's why he's probably your favourite. Does Deserby fit it today? Not, not at the moment for me. Like he's done really well with Brighton, but like you said there, that's with a project that's already matured. And, and, in, and improved. What you will do, Scott, is you will look at Potter and say that he was the guy that put all that in place at Brighton with all those people. He was the guy that actually had a vision for that football club. Yes, they didn't score enough goals. Yes, they didn't do as well as you thought they might do. But he was the foundation. And Manchester United, 100%, if they do let Eric Ten Hag go, they need a foundational coach that does that once again. Let's talk about the foundation. Like These managers are able to flourish and able to be good hmm. because they have the foundation built around them whether that's built by themselves or built by other people who are in there in the club such as a ceo such as a sporting director this yeah. kind of thing brighton have got all that and they've had that for a long time you look yeah. at the look at this scouting how they how they pick players up for do it cheap and sell them for a hundred million more to chelsea like it, it's 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 a, a fine operation it's, it's brilliant there's a brilliantly run football club if they were in disarray they'd be nowhere near with it like there's no way a manager can do that on his own for me. Um, and that's what United need to fix. Um, so I think if you see, you put plop Derek Ten Hagen up, Brighton, I think he'd be fine. You know, I agree. Kind of that's, that's the you mad know? thing about it. Yeah. He'd do really well at a Brighton. And that's not because that's his standard or whatever people might want to say, but there's been a lot of that Scott about style and substance around with Ten Hag and stuff. And obviously he's got the blame for lots of things. And some of that is his fault, but th this is a, a crucial like two or three weeks for him because there's always that thing looking at January, like you just said there about training and all of that side of it. But you could also look at the flip of that and just say, it's a nice quiet period to say to someone to clear their desk because our guy's coming in and he's going to spend a month getting to know the squad. And you haven't got many games, so there's not a lot of risk. And suddenly you then get the classical new manager out. The other thing I'd add, Rob, hmm. what would the players think? You know, the players have looked at Chris Armas mm. and gone, Ted Lasso. I know. Th these players are going to look at Graham Potter and go, what have you done, mate? Yeah. Fail at Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Why am I going to run for you? Yeah. <laughs> so again, like, you know, that's going to happen. You know, it'll happen at some point. So I that's agree. why I think the, the, the remodeling of the team needs to, needs to happen as well. Uh, uh, but obviously with, with, 
Radcliffe coming in and Ineos coming in the way they want to do things, if they come in very early and set their stall out and say to these players, right, all of your jobs are on the line. Yeah. We will sell all of you. We're not, we're not scared of you. And we run this football club now, not you. You know, the Glazers have allowed you to kind of run them off for 10 years and it's got us nothing. So this is a new, new dawn now. And if you don't run for this new manager, just know that he works for Ineos, not Man United. He works for us. He's our guy. And we're going to choose him over you. That's been the problem, Scott, and Man United forever, is that they put these managers in and they never choose the manager. They always have chosen the players and they've allowed that to happen. And it's all because of commerciality, shirt selling. You know, you're paying that guy a big wage. You can't possibly get rid of him. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And the balance of that with results. So I think that, if, you know, if you brought in Potter and he's Ratcliffe's guy, you're going to stick with it for a bit. That's going to be a year down the line before anyone can even blink because that's what Ineos will want to do. That's why I think you just stick with Ten Hag for now. Just give it six months and just carry on doing your root and branch assessment of these players. Find the players that you don't want. Get rid of them quickly in the next window and go find some players that you do want. And that's always the kind of solution in football, that you need to have that that balance of recruitment. This is what you hope, I think, with Ratcliffe, Scott, is that that's where United will go. Sorry if you're disappointed that Rob and I have essentially looked at the Potter reports and said, yeah, that could happen. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I mean, but that that is... Unfortunately, that's where that's where we are. And if you're looking at Ten Hag getting going, get out, mate, because you're not good enough. Your alternative is going to be somebody of this profile. I'm pretty sure of that. So it's um, it's make your mind up time, I think. And there's a lot uh, of coaches on the continent, Scott, that are kind of Potter equivalents. So there's a lot of coaches out there that if, if you had someone who was, again, a little bit more exciting or a club that you heard of because we played them in the Champions League once or whatever like that, you might go, hmm, I'm into that a little bit more now. Yeah, that, that's a Portuguese club. I know that team. That's a Spanish team. I know that team. That's not how it works. That is not how it works. You're not going to get someone from outside come in and just fix it. Unai Emery, if he'd come to Man United from Villarreal, Unai Emery would have been sacked by now. I know. So that's the truth. So there's a different club. Villa are a different club. Villa have a different structure. And Villa empowered the manager and the players. And that's why Villa are so good. And that game, of course, is crucial coming up against Manchester United. Thankfully, not at Villa Park, where they never lose. They win all their games at home. But you look at that and people are like, oh, well, why don't you go get Nuno Emery? Well, if you brought Emery in tomorrow, it, it, he, he, would have, he would need a year to really clear out these players that don't run because he's he's a high-energy, highly organised manager. <laughs> and we know that our players don't like to run all the time, Scott, do they? So, you know, Villa fits him profile-wise better. He's got an Ollie Watkins up top, you know, whereas Eric Ten Hag's got a young lad who's 20 years old, so or Martial. So the balance you see there is totally, totally different. Just uh, finish off this section by saying I had my uh, Christmas party at work 90 min, Minute Media, uh, last week. I dressed up as Glow Up Graham Potter and my colleague went as Eric Ten Hag and the joke was Man United's current manager and Man United's next manager. So there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. We didn't want to talk about Graham Potter weeks ago, did we? Like we, we, we knew all this and we didn't want to talk about it in the same way that we didn't want to talk about Ineos buying that 25% because when we kind of knew about it, we just had to let it play out because if you say anything, people jump on you and it's like, rah, rah, and that's not news. And it's like, well, we know bits and pieces. Of course we do. So yeah, Graham Potter, he, he is he is the first choice, I think. It doesn't mean that he would be the guy that got the job. I think Eric Ten Hag still got a little bit of distance left to run. Fingers crossed. So yeah, Liverpool 
await on Sunday. We'll be back to talk about whatever that is early next week. Uh, hope, hopefully, we won't be talking about another 7 nil. But you can't rule it out, can you? So uh, <laughs> we will. Uh, sorry, guys. I mean, the I, glorious I Man United victory. I, I can't see uh, it. Like, like I said earlier, if you're if you you're optimistic in any sense, please get in touch because I think everybody could use a bit of it, to be honest. But the way that it's looking at the moment, Liverpool, United, United are between a rock and a hard place. They look like lambs to the slaughter going into this game. But we'll see. Football's weird, isn't it? One nil uh, win for Manchester United. Johnny Evans diving header. There you go. That's that's it. That's the Nostradamus pick. Yeah. There you go. Get Johnny Evans touch. might be captain. Johnny <laughs> Evans be the... possibly might be captain. I'm going to go with McTominay. I think he's going to be captain, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, The Promised Land, of Man United podcast. Like, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you never miss a video and leave a comment as uh, we always ask for. Thanks for your nice words to Rob's recent tweet, wishing happy holidays, etc., etc. Uh, we'd like to... We'll do more shows before Christmas, obviously, but uh, just sending all the love out to everybody who watches, listens to this. Uh, we really, really appreciate it and appreciate the support as well from Rob and I. Uh, we do appreciate it very much. And follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at promise at TPLMUFC. I changed it recently. At TPLMUFC. <laughs> I do prefer it. I like well. it. I it's, like it. Yeah, I, I saw it. It was free and I was like, I'm going to use that. I think yeah. that makes sense. Happy. Anyway, thanks for listening and watching everyone. Fingers crossed, eh? Until next time, see you soon. Thanks for listening or watching. See you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.